everyone and welcome to Fans of the Genre 43 for Friday the 13th, 2017. I'm Mikey Krieger. And I'm Spooky Uki Patruki Rhodes Clark. Ooh, that's some good improv. Um, hey, thanks, man. That wasn't even written down in um, the doc. No, no, no. I just came up with that one um, on the spot. Actually, I lied. My friends and I have been saying Spooky Uki Patruki for years. Oh, okay. Yeah. My cat is currently biting my wrist as I try to give her affection because she's not like she's like just sitting on my lap demanding pets from me while I'm trying to do mm-hmm. my job, mm-hmm. which is this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I get paid for this. People, you don't realize this. This is my job. When do I my livelihood? When do I get paid for this? It's a real question. Um. Anyway, so so um, games happen this this week. Um, Brian is not here though because he's in California, and as we all know. You cannot podcast while you're in California. No, the all, all um, of the smoke is blocking the internet. Yeah, There's no internet. In California. Okay, for real though. Uh, uh, best uh, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts no, and that's prayers. bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, uh, hearts out to everyone affected by the uh, the fires in yeah, California. That, that's rough stuff. That really sucks. I mean, that's twice yeah. this year. I can't imagine like that. Yeah, it'd be like losing all of Kelso or like all of. <laughs> Redmond, <laughs> like like your entire hometown would just be gone. I mean, I wouldn't complain if that, that happened to Kelso. That would suck for a lot of people. Yeah, but so the SNES Classic. Or is, Do you have no. it? I don't know. No, I, okay. I, I'm trying to transition to video games. I still, I really want oh, yeah. one though. Like, um, you really want a video game? I really want the SNES video games. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I saw that people they're have been... going back in stock though. Yeah, like uh, sounds like people. Who want one can actually get one, unlike the um, NES classics. So that's cool. You should get one and let us know how you like it. Yeah, I mean, like I have most of those games in one way or another, but like. Yeah, but you don't have them all in one convenient, small, palm-sized box. Exactly, and there is something to be said about like getting together. You have that like set up in your living room, and then it's like, all right, motherfuckers, let's play some Street Fighter. Or let's play some Mario Kart. Some Mario Kart, yeah. Yeah, it sounds cool. I've really enjoyed a lot of the content that's coming out of the internet with that thing. Yeah, I, Giant Bomb West just did a play date. Uh, they call it a play date where they just play games um, of the SNES classic games. Yeah, I, I think Ben was trying to like do a, 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 a speed run or something. Yeah, I but. saw some cool mods that like where you can just like add like em- emulate ROMs on there. Um, oh yeah, and like th- that would actually be perfect. Like if I had a little like an actual SNES box that I you know, put a bunch of S- like actual SNES games on. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there's third-party controllers that are either like wireless or like extra long cords because that's the only thing about it that actually kind of annoys me. Like, I don't mind getting up to do like the reset thing that, uh, like, yeah, like but that, that, that actually has a little bit of like fond nostalgia built into it. Totally, but like sitting like three feet away from, six feet away from like a, a, like a 60-inch TV or something. Yeah, or, like, which would be my setup. Right would be uh hard or like i'd have to like pull like put the snes on like my, my coffee table and then yeah, have and cords then stretch the exit yeah, yeah yeah so then nobody can walk yeah. in front of my tv yeah that sounds awful but like honestly it sounds kind of like a cool thing to put on your like as a desktop like in front of a monitor or something that might be the most ideal way to like not have to worry about cords or something yeah like if i had it in my room that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because like that's a mm-hmm. better setup but like what I'd want to do is like, oh, have some people over for some drinks or whatever. And it's like, all right, let's yeah, let's play some video game. Yeah. Um, so we're coming up on Halloween, Mikey. Spooky season. 
Yeah. Um, the last couple years, Grace and I are super lame and we don't go out and do anything for Halloween. Nice. Uh, so we typically, you know, either watch some movies or play some video games. Do you have any, uh, do you have any like horror games that you like to play around this season? Or do you even like horror games? Not really. Like the closest I can think of would be something like a Super Metroid where it's more like atmospheric and maybe like a little unsettling, but not straight up like horror games. Like, yeah, like Resident Evil 4 did it for me. And same. Uh, it's a great game. Yeah, but like there, there's something about like the kind of slow, like deliberately inhibiting in terms of like control schemes, like the like old Silent Hills and Resident Evil's where it's like, oh, no, like movement's really slow and controls are limited because that makes it scarier. It's like, OK, well, right. Then I don't and feel that, like built more tension than it did like terror. Yeah. And I think. there's something to be said, like in terms of like what they're going for in the fact that like you're not in control. Like, but mm-hmm. that's my thing is like, I like to at least like be in control. Like I hate feeling like restricted, like even though like totally, yeah, that's part of the mechanics is like, uh, like removing some of your power and some of your agency and like putting you at a disadvantage in a really hostile world. But, um, yeah, I, I like definitely having a little bit more, um, control on what I do and like, and, and my survival. So yeah, horror games like that just typically haven't done it for me. But um, there have been mm-hmm. a few. Nothing that I can think of off the top of my head that I'm like, oh, yeah. But yeah. horror games that kind of uh, incorporate elements. For sure. we uh, One of our favorites that Grace actually still plays every once in a while, just like on her second playthrough, is uh, Until Dawn. Yeah. Um, that game's super cool. And it's it's definitely like B-movie scary. Like there's lots of jump scares. Yeah. Um, it's more invested in like, yeah, scaring you in like classic horror movie or like monster movie ways. Um, it doesn't really like get under your skin. It's mo- mostly just sort of like shocking. But uh, that one's fun because like the, the the dialogue, as cringy as it can be, is pretty good and pretty funny and schlocky. Um, yeah, which we like. But other than that, we've tried to like play through like Amnesia and some other like in PT. Um, Grace gets motion sick. No, I've talked about that uh, that on the past. Yeah. Uh, in the past on this podcast and it's tough to do with like horror games, especially pairing the motion sickness with like grotesque imagery or something. Um, totally. And a lot of that. Um, yeah. something I want to see real quick is whenever this game comes out. Um, so mm. speaking of spooky games that are coming out out in this, the scariest of all seasons. Um, yeah. And alongside the fact that you are having, this is totally not podcast really. This is now a personal conversation, but let's oh, bring okay, everyone okay, in. Okay, on okay. It. Um, Hid- yeah. Hidden Agenda comes out on the 24th. We should Ford play that game for our Halloween party. Yes, that comes out just before your Halloween party. So that would actually be fucking incredible. And we should do that. That'd be really fun. I th- <laughs> Grace was like, I keep on looking at the Facebook event for that. And like, no one's RSVP- RSVP'd. I did. And then I look at it. So I know, I know, I know. And she's like, I look at it some more. And then it's like, Oh yeah, it's Mikey, Evan, and Danny. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, and, that's all we really need. And Brian and Kelsey are like a My, good, like a, a solid maybe. Oh uh, yeah, I think Brian said he's definitely gonna try. I don't really yeah. know about Kelsey and, and our buddy uh, yeah. Brandon couldn't make it, but he couldn't make it. Yeah, um, it's okay. We 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 prefer smaller, intimate things. And we and yeah. we um one of these days, I keep on bringing it up. It'd be fun to get like a bunch of people together for because we, we can just rent lounges in our apartment complex. Yeah. And just like have parties and watch TV and play games and stuff. Yeah, It'd be a lot of fun. We should do it. 
Um, but yeah, Hidden, Hidden Agenda uh, is the is the follow up to Until Dawn from that same studio. Yeah, Supermassive Games. Uh, it's the one where uh, everybody kind of plays from their mobile phones in the way that you would like a Jackbox game, and then yeah. um, one person is kind of like granted to be like a traitor and has to like kind of work against the group while trying to like mm-hmm. remain uh, like seemingly like as a part of the team. So like everyone's kind of trying to figure out who this like traitor is and um, yeah. while you're doing this like crime thriller um, and it seemed, yeah, we, we talked about it, I think right after E3 cause you were super into it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, so that'd be cool. You can get our takes on that game right here on fans of the genre sometime. That'll be around our uh, one year. Oh shit. That's right. The, we don't have the, the accurate episode count for a one year. It, it would be 52. Obviously, um, 52 weeks in a year. And but Also, um, something we didn't address is that we'd be a lot closer if we had done a podcast last week. Hey, uh, <laughs> I don't want to go there. No. So, Brian came over to my house <laughs> last week to ostensibly record a podcast. Yeah, theoretically. And then a- after uh, Grace left for Symphony, he was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I was playing a little bit of Destiny because he hadn't seen Destiny too much yet. And he's like... Do you want to get Cuphead and play that? It's like, sure. And then um, the segue is nice. And I guess what we've been playing, I don't really know if we want to talk about the news or anything. This could be a short episode too. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I mean, we started playing Cuphead on my PC side by side with two dual shocks plugged in. It works really well. Um, and that game's awesome. And it's so awesome that we kept on like retrying and uh, it lets you retry really quickly after death mm-hmm. that we w- would literally just be saying, Okay, let's give this boss uh, w- one more run, and then we'll start recording. <laughs> and then we kept on saying that over and over again to the point where I was like, "Look, Brian, I don't care if we record tonight at all." <laughs> and we just like kept going until he had to leave. Um, that game's cool. Yeah. Have you you, have, you haven't played it yet? Have you? Uh, I played it at PAX. Okay, um, it was really good. Yeah, I guess so. We've talked about it before because I think we were hesitant about it. We were worried that it wasn't going to deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, and. If you're very good at it, it's a it's a relatively short game, and I think that there's like some people who are disappointed by that. There's like three islands with maybe four or five, man, eh, like yeah, four or five bosses each, and like maybe one or two running gun levels each. Um, with and then I guess there's like a final zone. Um, and if you're very good at the game, you can get through all those things in like uh, a couple minutes. But the nature of the game is like mastering the patterns of the bosses and the enemies in the in the run and gun stages and like learning how to best approach each situation and there often is like a right way to do it you will discover that like certain weapons you can unlock are better against certain bosses etc etc um so it's in that way it sort of feels like it's scratching the same itch for me and i told brian this that um pac-man championship edition dx does Mm -hmm. which like it kind of like activates this like sensor in my brain that just like shuts off and i can just like zone out and play it so it's like a you know um it's it's worth using volume to listen to the music and stuff because that's really awesome but you can like totally zone out and listen to podcasts or music with this game Mm -hmm. um and just like kind of score chase uh it's super cool and the art style like um i only realized this when i would die in bosses with brian where i wasn't playing when you actually just like watch it and not really be invested in like what you're doing it's uh 
it's just beautiful. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, th- I think that'd be a game that I'd be like way too intense into it to like listen to a podcast that I actually like really want to like that I need to like devote yeah. attention to. But something that's like, oh yeah, I'm listening like the comedy button play Cuphead. Like exactly. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as people have said, it is like super hard. Yeah. But um, which means it's die, it's only for intelligent people who understand. Yeah, I would say if I had to like guess like a certain type of gamer that would really appreciate this like if you really like rick and morty i think you'll probably really enjoy cuphead because it it does require like another level of like competency and you have to have a really high iq and you have to have like yeah nostalgia for the good old days whenever games were were for for real gamers and not for big old babbies yeah hey did you get that szechuan sauce dude because i totally Uh, did no i didn't so i braided a bunch of minimum wage employees Ha <laughs> sweet dude. Yeah, they um they probably shouldn't uh, make as much as I do and be afford like afford to live in this area. Yeah, I know. And like um, yeah, they shouldn't be able to like feed their kids or families and they probably just like hoarded all the sauce for themselves. Yeah, it totally sucks that they're like taking up freeway space by driving um like thirty miles outside of the city to 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 get to work. Yeah. Um real shit. Yeah. Anyway, if you like Rick and Morty, you'll love Cuphead. And if you love satire, listen to more fans of the genre. Yeah, we're so good at it. We're we're, we're good comedy boys. Um, mm-hmm. Since we already started on this, let's uh, keep going with what we've been playing, and then we'll uh, jump back to the the topics. Let's let's shake yeah. it up. Let's get spooky. Also, yeah, uh, I don't. We did our new feature once, and then we didn't do it again. I know. I, I realized that two weeks ago when we recorded, and uh, maybe we'll bring it back next week. I was thinking about how we could make this a little bit more structured, like uh, like Kotaku split screen, where we. Um, I don't know if you listen to that one, but they'll be like, okay, now we're going to go to the news. And there's like a little music cue that comes in. Yep. Um, I think we could do it's that. It's a nice like flamenco guitar or some bossa yeah, nova. Kirk Hamilton composes it himself yeah. or something. Uh, what was the next, what, what else have you been playing? Um, not a lot. Uh, mostly golf story. Um, yeah. It, which I don't know if I talked about that on the pod. I have to be honest with you. I'm like, I want to hear if you like it or not. I'm, I feel like everyone's been talking about golf story and it's so, if you're not into golf games and you're not into like RPGs like this, it is like one of the hardest games to listen to people talk about. Yeah. There's something about it that's like impenetrable and even watching it. I'm like, I don't get it. Um, yeah, but, but go ahead. So it is, um, calling it a, an outright golf game or calling it an RPG, I think is not quite hitting what exactly it is. It's definitely more of an adventure game where, um, it's not quite like open world, but uh, there's there's an overworld that you kind of hop to between different uh, golf courses and like country clubs, and um, within which there's like a big area that you can kind of go through. Um, and at any point uh, when you're exploring this world, you can uh, just drop a ball down and then like hit from there. And so mm-hmm. there will be just like like random holes that are laying around. Like some might be like shining or. Um, there's like one quest where like this guy really wants a red bandana. And so you have to go find the, um, the teeth or the hole that has a flag in it. That's red. And then you, then you have to like drop a ball next to it and like swing your club to hit the pole. And like, it'll drop a flag that you didn't have to go take to that guy. So there's like a lot of these, like kind of like quests and tasks that you're given throughout that, like you kind of need to like think cleverly about, um, which that is the majority of the game is like kind of walking around this world and then like solving these puzzles using um, like arcade game, like golf mechanics where you have like the, um, the two point swing where you'll um, you'll start it. Then you want to like 
to get as much power, you need to hit it whenever like it's closest to the left end. And then when it comes back, you have a narrow window that uh, determines your accuracy. Like um, it operates with that, and it's definitely more an adventure game by means of um, a golf game. And then uh-huh. um, whenever you complete quests, you do get money and experience points, which then like you can upgrade like your driving distance or the control on your spin or your just like overall accurate accuracy. Um, so like there is light RPG mechanics in the sense that like, Oh yeah. Like you'll be able to like, like the, the main thing is that, um, is upgrading your drive, um, through your driving distance. So, uh, whenever you upgrade your distance, um, that you can drive it naturally, like all of your other skills go down a little bit. So you want to like mm. incrementally upgrade your drive and then go back down to your other skills and then even those out. Cause then like, um, even if like you're on target, you'll like still like slice it way right if you don't like take care of those stats. So there's a really cool balance there with those. But um, yeah, calling it an outright RPG or an outright golf game, um, I think is kind of a disservice because like Griffin McElroy's uh, one of his big complaints about the game is like there's not enough of actual just like playing golf. Like he he said that he wanted more times where you're just like competing in tournaments because it is a lot of like yeah weird. Um, kind of like tongue in cheek tasks that you're kind of completing in, in the like world that you're traversing. Um, but I, for, for me, I kind of like it. Like I do like these golf games quite a bit, but I feel like I kind of like run my course with them pretty fast. Um, and I'm still not done with it. Sure. And I've put a good amount of time into golf story. Um, and like, there are times where I'm just like, yeah, I kind of wish that like, while I'm just like kind of sitting here watching TV or something like, which is how like, um, how I play most of my switch games is like, I'll sit down and I'll like kind of like, while like the main focus of my attention is on my switch, I'm still have like something on TV. And like, if I want to like be somewhat engaged in that, then, um, I kind of do want more just straight up golfs. But, um, if you're not super into those kind of games, I think that's actually a, uh, positive for the game. It's where it's sure. Cause it, it does have those mechanics and it works really good. Uh, it is a great golf game by those means. Like that system works really well. Like, um, you know, like there's wind and there's, uh, like slopes and, uh, so yeah, uh, I was watching someone play it and on, on the slopes thing and, um, it doesn't like visualize those changes in elevation. Yeah. Um, like more, that sounds really frustrating. Yeah. Mario golf and hot shots golf and, um, the like reboot of the hot shots series, everybody's golf that came out about a month or so ago. Um, since it's a, th- a game in a 3d space, like you can kind of see the terrain and then there's like a grid overlaid on it. And then it'll have Mm -hmm. like dots kind of running down that grid and like the speed Ah, that they're running down, um, will like kind of visualize like the actual, like steepness of a slope and how long it's going for. Um, and since golf story takes place on a 2d plane and you're almost always in this, like, or you, you are actually always in this like aerial, like top down view. Um, like the best you get is an arrow, like pointing in a in like one of like the eight kind of uh, directions, and it'll be like, oh, it's a slight slope, or it's a medium slope, or it's a heavy slope, and mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely like that is the biggest criticism, especially of like the pure golf mechanics that, that I have with the game, is that it's not always super clear. And um, but the good thing is, is that since a lot of it is like kind of uh, scripted events, where it's like even when you are doing, it's like, okay, now you got to go play this course. Like if you fail the course, which is hard to do, like I've done pretty well through all of them. And, Mm -hmm. um, 
like you just go back and you do it again. Like there's not real a real penalty other than, all right, go back and do it. And the most challenging putts I've had to deal with slopes like that are on um, individual things where it's like, oh, you're walking across uh, the overworld and there's like a little like mini golf course or like you're just on like the green and it's like this guy's like, hey, this is a hard shot. Like make this shot. And if you don't make it, then you go back and you just like it the same way where it's like, oh, you failed. You pop right back and you do it again. Um, hmm. So like all of my times where I've like had a real problem with slopes like that have been in those situations where it's definitely um, it's situational and it's like this is specifically a hard putt challenge. Um, right. But yeah, like Interesting. there's a lot of that where like you'll be going around and someone's like, oh, like here's like these little islands like hit uh you get like 10 shots to hit, uh, like chip a ball onto this island like six times. And that's kind of like the long and short of like what the variety of those missions are. It's like, oh, go out, drive the sky or, you know, go do this putting challenge or go do this like chipping challenge. And there are some that are a little bit more weird and obscure where it's like, oh, like here's like an an environmental thing. And um, there's like like a uh, kind of like scavenger hunt, like, you're trading this item to get this item to trade to a different person. And like, and it handles it all in a way that's like actually like really cute and charming. Like it's got a really good sense Mm -hmm. of humor about it. Um, It's definitely like a kind of like, it's a, it's a pretty like family friendly, uh, like really funny Nintendo, like kind of humor. Um, Yeah. And like, it's, it's insanely charming. uh, And it's it's just a really good game to kind of like sink myself into like between playing destiny and like just like thinking about like kind of like triple a games like it's a very good way to kind of come down from that for sure uh that's only available on switch right now right uh i'm like 95 percent positive yes yeah, that's cool um you mentioned destiny are you still diving back in there every once in a while um yeah, I'm kind of at the point where it's like I'll jump in like once a week, like do most of the um, the milestones, yeah. and then because mm-hmm. like that that's the way that you kind of gain experience and I, get the powerful gear. Yeah, and like we we haven't been able to like like consistently and reasonably get like a raid level kind of group of people. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm at I'm almost at like 300 now though, and I feel like I could. Yeah, I don't so, want to say I could carry anybody, but like. If we could get people up to where we're at. Yeah, no, I've I've heard that like fun. you pretty much want your group to be averaged around like two eighty going into the raid, even yeah. though it says like two sixty. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, like that in- the the final encounter is rated at two eighty, I think. Yeah. So any any power level that you're below that, um for every power level you're below that, I think it like negatively affects you. Yeah, and I, I think I'm at like uh, two eighty seven with both of my characters. So I think um, having Destiny for a, a while now and having it out and hearing discourse and whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think that it rewards you. It rewarded you too quickly. And it, it makes me think of all these stories I'm hearing of like the early MMO days, which granted, I don't necessarily think this is the way to go either. But like grinding to the end game would take months in like mm-hmm. Final Fantasy XI. Um and getting to the right level would take months and maybe for a lot of people it is taking them a while to get uh, a high power level in destiny 2 but it feels like it overcompensated for destiny 1's 
like lack of reward. Yeah. And the the like the sugar high of just getting a bunch of stuff in Destiny 2 is wearing off. Yeah. And I think like like you said the only reason to really check in once you're at a certain level is for these milestones and then because every piece of loot you get is going to be like five to ten levels below where you need it to be unless you do these powerful milestones. Yeah, the um, the equipment that you'll kind of just unlock through like breaking down gear and getting these uh, like area and character specific tokens that you turn in for um, mm-hmm. new engrams, like those are all uh, defined by your like highest possible power level and like it puts it at like yeah, like five to ten pieces below that, and like it's always going to be the same number. Like, yeah, and is that is that the the highest possible power level without mods or something? I don't really I, understand the the reasoning behind that. You know? Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure either. But it just gets to the point where it's like, okay, all of my gear, no matter what, is at this level unless I do, yeah, like unless I get an exotic engram, and then I take that yeah. and like infuse it. Into something yeah, I either or... use it or infuse it in something else. Um, yeah. Where yeah, otherwise the only way to actually like increase your power level is by doing those weekly um weekly objectives and that's fun but like you can do the crucible one in like an hour and a half or less you can do the the you know there's two things the the raid and the nightfall that require coordination with other people and even then the nightfall Uh, like if it if you do it in three tries that's an hour which is i think the reasonable it could be more than that because the nightfall is like usually pretty hard yeah um, well, and I, I think the first time we tried it is like we were also like pretty yeah. underpowered and like true um, and like yeah the, I think the time that we did do it it was our third try and we had like two or three minutes to spare and like once we kind of figured out what we needed to do um, yeah but yeah so that's that's two hours there and then honestly I think doing the other ones takes maybe another hour yeah it's just like public events on a planet and then yeah like five challenges. And then you just get a bunch because your 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 clan is part of a group. Yeah. Um, so see, and, and like I have two characters, and like I'm kind of wishing that I didn't because now it's like I definitely feel more obligated. It's like okay, I just need to like do these challenges, and it's yeah. like okay, now I need to do those exact same challenges with this character. Um, and I'm kind yeah. of wishing that I hadn't, but I think I'm starting to like my Titan more than I like my Hunter, which is my like mm-hmm. my Titan was my second character, and so like right. and my Hunter was my character from like three years ago on destiny one. So like I have, a, yeah. I have a hard time ditching that character, but I find myself enjoying my other one more. And so now I'm like, now I'm conflicted about it. It just makes you more versatile, but it also makes you waste more time playing destiny. Totally. And that's what it's starting to feel like to me is like, Oh, like a waste of time. Yeah. It, it feels almost like a, like another job or like, it's just like yeah. an obligation. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that if I were like in college still and like all my friends were like, Mm-hmm. just at the point where it's like oh yeah we can kind of just play whenever and like consistently then it then i'd probably still be super into it but like if i don't have yeah. a person or two to get through that stuff with and i'm and even then like i was playing with our friend lauren for a bit and it's just kind of like yeah i mean we're just kind of going through the same stuff like yeah. e- e- I mean, it it fulfills the same role that dota plays for a lot of people where it's just the social game that you play with your friends to talk to your friends yeah and, and it feels good to shoot stuff but you still want to be working towards something and even then like i feel like there's a level of strategy strategy that is like m- like has more variables to it in dota where it's like 
oh, you're playing actual people, so this game can go a number of different ways, and like you're on your toes a bit more. Where Destiny, like yeah. since you're going against AI, unless you're unless you're in the Crucible, which I yeah. like always kind of think of as a chore. Um, sure. Like it, I like the, I've come to like the Crucible, but I, I see. What you yeah, mean. like me too. But like I usually do it to get the. Right, you don't. Like, yeah, like I, I, I would. Principle. Yeah, I would rather be running around and just doing, um, like mission stuff on the worlds, and like I, I do enjoy the crucible when I play it, but I definitely like I complete those milestones. I'm like, all right, cool, I did my time. Yeah, like time to check out of that. Yeah, and um, ah, oh shit, I had something. <laughs> oh, like if if I wanted a social game like this, it almost seems like it'd make more sense to play a game like Overwatch, because yeah, like. Destiny gives you all these false pretenses that you're like constantly working towards something when like if you've done all your milestones like we've talked about it's it feels more like a chore whereas yeah. Overwatch you know unless you're playing competitive it really is just to like have fun which is kind of brilliant yeah um, um and I was actually thinking about this uh when so it was another conversation that we were hoping to have with Brian because I think you and I are on mm-hmm. the same side of it um which, like, r- real quick, have you been playing much of anything else? Uh, Other than uh, PUBG, Destiny? No. Okay. No. So, <laughs> um, a, a big topic of conversation this week has, or the past couple weeks, has been uh, loot boxes and microtransactions in games. And yeah. I realized that the thing that kept me going in Overwatch was actually unlocking new costumes. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just kind of realized that this week whenever I was, like, thinking, like, okay, I'm going to need to actually, like, talk about loot boxes and, um, sure. like, yeah, like, the reason why I play that game is to level up and then get new boxes and then hopefully get, like, the outfits that I really want to get for characters. Like, that's, like, while I do enjoy playing the game and I do enjoy, like, getting a crew together and playing and winning matches, like, really what I want to do it for is because I want to level up and I want to get shit and then I always end up, like getting a bunch of shit that I already have or like a couple of coins to use to, you know, just outright buy the shit. Um, yeah, I, I've pretty, pretty routinely been disappointed by the content in the loot boxes in, uh, in Overwatch actually. Yeah. Like I've never really enjoyed anything I got from there. Yeah, no. And uh, I, th- cause I don't play enough. That's the thing is really, I just don't <sighs> earn enough experience per game to see. And, yeah. And, and they do kind of a similar thing with like destiny where it's like, um, Every week, once they like reset whatever um, like metric they have in their system, like it then it's like oh, like your first win of the day, you get something, and like your like first like right. couple levels of uh, a week or whatever, like you get bonus XP and like it in those kind of like slow like ways of like keep keeping like bringing you back not on like a daily basis where it's like it it is a chore, but like a weekly basis, which is like a pretty good time to. You're like, all right, come back in, you know. Yeah. Play, but yeah, I got I that was actually like my motivation for that game. And when it came out, I bought I like spent like fifteen bucks or whatever it was on like a set of loot yeah. boxes and uh like I remember watching because Russ Frustick did that for Polygon like when Destiny came out. And he Destiny or Overwatch Overwatch. And he like got so frustrated because he got like Jack he spent like a hundred or got whatever like the hundred boxes was um, yeah. for just a dumb amount of money. And like, I'm sure he was like, you know, it's like, Oh, Hey, I'm doing this for work. I'm going to do a live stream of it. But um, he, he got like jack shit and he was so pissed on stream and it was, it was amusing. But um, yeah, uh, overwatch whenever they, 
like they ran into some legal issues in China. Um, and like they had to publish their, uh, the statistics of, or the probabilities of the loot boxes. And mm-hmm. because it's considered gambling over there. Um, and so, yeah, let me, I'm looking at it right now. Um, so each loot box contains at least one rare item guaranteed, but Epic items are found one in every 5.5 loot boxes. Hmm. And legendary items uh, are appear once every 13 and a half loot boxes. So if you bought 100 loot boxes, you're going to get like six, seven like legendary items, yeah. which is a lot of money to shell out for, you know, random chance cosmetic skins. Yeah, agreed. I don't know. Um, the concept of loot boxes, I've never really cared for them. Yeah. It's an, it's a new way to keep people playing your game without paying for... Yeah. Well, well, so here's there's so many angles to this because like there's paid loot boxes, which you can do, which yeah. typically just get you uh, items that don't necessarily give you an advantage in gameplay mm-hmm. uh, or they could just be cosmetic. Um See, and, and that is the thing and, about Overwatch is that those things are entirely cosmetic where like, yeah, um, and you do get the opportunity to earn those naturally where in like, you have something like Destiny where it's, um, even though those like the shaders and the bright engrams are t- like pretty much exclusively like aesthetic things, like actually getting those naturally, like isn't, is very hard. Yeah, it's it's rare. Like especially the the the, the ships and the speeders. But yeah. like most other things, I would I might push back and say that you can get most stuff that you need through bright engrams, except for ships and speeders. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I the reason this is part of the conversation is because Shadow of War is that what it's yeah. called? Middle Earth Shadow of War, the sequel to Shadow of Mordor, and Forza Seven had really egregious and confusing and uh, exploitative um, examples of loot boxes and like microtransaction <laughs> systems. Um, and it, it, it's sparked a lot of conversation and it sparked a lot of thinking. And I think it was um, Heather or sorry, Heather Alexandra is a trans gamer think on Twitter um, at Kotaku tweeted something. that's like, you know, it's quote unquote fine when it's just cosmetic and overwatch, but loot boxes are meant to create and exploit addicts because it's essentially gambling. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not a chance based, uh, I don't know. Someone, there's so many semantical semantic arguments about like the definition of gambling. Well, so so but, what this is, is like, it's, it's a digital slot machine where it's like you put your coins in and then you'll yeah. get, you know, cosmetic items in return like that that's that's really what it is it's it's just a digital like slot machine that's like obscured by you know by like not having a lever and not having like you know rotating spinning uh like icons like like that's really what it is and um who am i thinking of uh shit what's his name uh jim sterling like he Mm -hmm. did a video was like yeah like i have an addictive personality and like this game like these mechanics like really fuck with me and like that part of me like feels incredibly compelled to spend all my fucking money on this and um he did a great video um talking about it and like the the other thing about like shadow of war is like on top of this where um like in that system they also have the ability to like buy the game's easy mode and like bypass a lot of like 
the grind and a lot of like difficulty. Yeah. And like they say that they want to provide the opportunity for like busy parents to like skip through parts of the game, but like they have to pay for it. And like, it's just like a really kind of shitty way of like justifying charging people money for things. It's like, yeah, it's really weird. Like, you know, like make the game that you want to make, like, and you know, don't, like putting like a four pay easy version of the game up is very weird and like just seems if not anti-consumer, like not consumer friendly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, and on top of that, they also have like paid DLC and like seasons passes and stuff. So like reasonably you could spend a hundred dollars on the game with the seasons pass and then also be expected to like, or have like, the like microtransaction shop like put in your face all the time and like bring you to spend in more money and just like yeah the i think something that gets kind of lost in this is that you're already like more often than not you're already paying a certain price for the game and then to be asked to pay yeah on top of that to get like a blind box of stuff uh kind of sucks and i think it's just something that we've all accepted as okay yeah because we had to rationalize it in some way where it's like, well, if it's just cosmetics, I guess I can see it. And then that became the purveying theme. It's like, Hey, they're not charging you for anything that will like give you an advantage in multiplayer. They're just giving you a cool costume. Isn't that cool? Like not nah, dog. Like, let me just like work to unlock it. Like smash brothers has been doing that forever. Yeah. Where you just do cool things in the game to unlock characters or play it for a certain amount of time and unlock all the characters. Yeah. Or like in the Tony Hawk um, games, like you like, you did a certain thing and like it's like oh then you unlock spider-man yeah like, you know like spider-man the games spider-man like for ps1 has a long history of like doing unique things to get weird costumes and stuff like that stuff's fun to me yeah absolutely um, like especially when it's like like there's a thing that's like this is locked like here's what you do to unlock it and it's like okay yeah. like now i have an objective now i have a goal like like i i, I actually do enjoy that like whenever like if it's like like a really hard like level like achievement or trophy in the game like that gets really frustrating like where it's like um something that is like borderline outside of the realm of possibility yeah like yeah like, and you know but but even then it's like it's a, a reward for something it's not like another thing to buy like it's like oh like here's a, a reward for you like investing time into our game and like you know and for yeah, I don't know. It it just bugs me. Um, like one of my favorite games of last year was Super Mario Run, and not not only did they get like just release a bunch of new content, new levels for it, um, but they put it on sale to promote that. And like yeah, yeah, like like I just have those on my phone now. And uh, yeah. last year um, or earlier this year, Solitarica like released like new like DLC for it and like new classes, and they were just in the app like. Like I download yeah. an update and they were just right there, um, yeah. And like, yeah, like I I understand like wanting to like create new content and continue to support something after release, but like whenever it's like layers on layers of stuff, like it's like oh we like I'm gonna, like we want to charge you for a season's uh, season pass, which is really to just like kind of like usually part of like the pre order culture where. Um, like video game numbers are like oftentimes determined like well in advance based on pre-order numbers. Um, yeah. Like trying to drive in those and just like, there's just a lot of like kind of shitty business practices that are not very consumer friendly that 
is like really exploitative of like people who are just like addicts. Yeah, yeah, who yeah. are addicts and people who are just like gonna like kind of throw money at things blindly and yeah, like I think that there's a couple of good examples of microtransactions done right, and I would sort of lump Overwatch in there honestly, but I think Titanfall is the perfect example where the game is sixty dollars. Mm-hmm or less because it's always on sale now because yeah. like not a lot of people are playing it but every map every piece of dlc every uh every mode every weapon is free and then if you want you can pay small transactions to get cosmetic stuff yeah it's not blind it's not a uh, chance it is not a gambling thing it doesn't like elicit that feeling in me mm-hmm. it is literally just paying for a costume that you like so um, I think and it doesn't affect anything. Something I kind of am like just actually like thinking now and like kind of processing now is yeah. I think Nintendo's done microtransactions best with Amiibo. Okay. Where okay. like you know Amiibo are like a six seven dollar figure or whatever, and then like you take that and then you can put that into Smash Bros. and then you have like this AI character that you build and create and then that also in turn like in Mario Party that's new levels like new maps in Mario Party or you take that to Kirby it's like okay now I have new costumes and new characters and um, a little shady one that they did was like the Metroid uh, like Samus Returns was like oh hey like this uh, amiibo has like an extra like like challenge mode or something in it but it's like yeah like like there's something more to that where it's like I get a physical item that then interacts with my games and like adds more content to it and like I know people who've like explicitly bought amiibo to enhance their game but then it's like okay but i also have like something tangible of it and like this is something that's supplementary to or complementary to uh the experience and not supplementary right right so like i like like i feel like that's a really good way of doing that kind of content like you're um or like breath of the wild it's like if you have the amiibo you unlock new like like the tingle costume or like the link to the past costume mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that also kind of, I mean, there's two sides of that where it's like, I'm not someone who will ever really buy an amiibo and to not get those costumes ever kind of sucks, but I don't know. But like, there's still like, like there's so much dope fashion in that game. And I think that part of, uh, that's true. The experience, like, and so like, not all of those are exclusive to that. Like the, um, with the expansion that they released this summer, like there was like costumes in there. And you yeah. know, like I that actually reminds me. I I did play a little bit more Breath of the Wild. I I went. I found the Lost Woods. Oh, nice! And I found the Master Sword. Ooh! But I can't do anything with it yet. No, you need to have like thirteen hearts. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I, gosh, I was sorry. talking to someone about Breath of the Wild today. Um, one of my coworkers just got a Switch, and then she got me talking about it, <laughs> and then I just kind of like <laughs> went off on her about like all of the wonderful things, and I looked up the uh old video of uh nick robinson like where he like cheated the puzzle by like dropping all of his metal equipment and like conducting electricity yeah. from one platform like one active platform to a uh a deactivated one um and like like just that game is so fucking special and i'm so excited for the final dlc to come out and bring me back into yeah. it because like like game's pretty cool. that's really what i'm looking forward to like i'm look at mario's in two weeks um yeah. I think next month is that final DLC from um, Zelda. Um, and I, I actually super might buy a couple of those uh, 
amiibo of the Guardians from Breath of the Wild. I got you started on, on Zelda. Yeah. No, I... <laughs> got you started. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I'm... I, I just love my Switch. I'm happy that there's a, a no, bunch of stuff coming out for it. Um, People seem really into it. Like, the, the response initially was sort of like, this is really cool, I hope it gets supported, and now everyone's like, I don't want to play anything unless it's on my Switch. Yeah, or if something comes out, it's like, this is great, but it'd be even better on Switch. Yeah. Um, like... I still need to like give Persona Five its like due diligence, and I'm just like God. Yeah, man, I forgot about you. both of you got that game. Yeah, and I don't think either of you played it. No, uh, well, uh, my roommate Evan got it, and he uh, played the shit out of it. And like, I started it, and I was like, okay, like I'm liking this more than Persona Four, but I think it was still Zelda time, so I was yeah, just super deep into that. Um, right. But yeah, like Mario, Zelda, and then. Like I know that the Assassin's Creed nonviolent stuff comes out like early next year, but like mm-hmm. that got me so excited about Assassin's Creed. Like that's so on my radar right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is reminding me of um Oh, I don't even know. Oh. We were talking about like how much time and effort you really need to put into Destiny to like get the most out of it. Yeah. And I think it started when that game came out and you know, I'm I'm like pretty much always on Twitter and listening to shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. This last last like month or so, I feel like I've been kind of struck with like a sense of like more than just not being interested in games right now. It's like fed up with the idea of ever like making it in the industry or something or like because because like you have in order to seemingly do it or in order to enjoy destiny to its fullest, you have to be unemployed or your job is a streamer or your job is a journalist where you can occasionally spend 20 hours like giant bomb did like playing the raid and stuff it's like as part of your job. Yeah. And like, you know, there's like shit in the world happening on the, the day by day. There's life, there's jobs, there's making dinner, there's like watching yeah. TV and, and a new controversy every single day and just like staying on top of it all and, and like playing, these games and like trying to come up with something to say about them. Sometimes it's just like exhausting. Yeah. And like, I think part of my part of this show, I think and part of my like journey <laughs> with, I, I don't know is it, I think is going to be reconciling the fact that like, I might not be able to contribute to the discourse. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think it's worth striving for because it's just disappointing. I, I totally get you what you mean. And like a big part of it is, um, like on the outside looking in to your specific situations, like part of it is that you're married and like now you're kind of like getting into um, that kind of life where like things are kind of like <laughs> yeah. settling. Not, not, you know, I'm not trying to insinuate no, anything yeah, yeah, sinister or anything, but uh, yeah. And I, like, I've been feeling the same like a lot lately and like just trying to think of like common narratives, like between you and I um, both yeah. with like, yeah, like just, like society kind of sucks right now. Um, but it's also like that time of year in, in the Pacific Northwest where it's like, all right, it's dark out all the time. Time to be sad and shut in. Um, which like, yeah, I, I, I've, I've been feeling of it too. pretty hard. Uh, actually w- one yeah. of our guys at work brought in a, uh, uh, yeah, he has one of those lamps at his desk. And I was like, at first I was kind of like, <laughs> like he just brought that in. Um, and then I was like, oh, fuck, that's actually really smart. I should get one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 
but I think I might need one too. Yeah, no, it, it's, I think part of it is just, it's that time of year. And like right now things are just like extra spicy and, yeah. you know, in the world. And, but I feel like it, it's part of the reason why neither of us have like written anything yeah. <laughs> for the site in a really long time. Uh, you know, and that was before like the weather turn. Like, I, yeah. I just feel like either I'm too like not confident enough to like make it happen or I just don't care enough anymore. But like, I just don't, I don't know. It's tough. It's really demoralizing. Cause like, yeah, this is part of, it sucks to admit, like I'm not like a capital G gamer. It's part of my identity, but it is sort of like part of how you define yourself a little bit. You define yourself by what you do and what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I went to school to be a journalist so I could like maybe write for a, a website. Yeah. And it's just, Trying to figure out how you can. Sorry, you could probably hear my cat playing with a paper bag in the <laughs> background. Um, Kenny. Anyway, it's just trying to like reconcile like your earlier expectations in life and the way things actually are. And I just feel like this overwhelming sense of like who cares what I think and who, you know, who yeah. cares about any of this. It's yeah. just weird. No, I, don't know. I totally get what you mean. Um, yeah, I think just we're both at very similar points in like our personal and professional lives where it's like, okay. Yeah. Um, and like where I, yeah, I just think in general, like, like we're both like looking for other changes that are like kind of affecting our like desire and yeah. passion to like pursue games. And it's like a lot of like our kind of interaction with that like community and that sensibility, I think is like a lot of it is through like, the internet and social media and now just our internet and social media is super bombarded by the news and all of the terrible things that are happening on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, no, I know. And yeah, we're like, and <laughs> that's a good way to put it, I guess. And like, I would yeah. never tell anybody that I follow and that I like, like stick to games, but it is one of those things where it's like, like, okay. Like even if like, I want to just like kind of decompress into my game stuff, like, like it's just everything is so consumed by all of that now. Um, yeah, and I I feel like the people that do typically stick to games or pop culture or whatever, and it, 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 I feel like they're the ones that end up like they feel disingenuous. Yeah, yeah, and also they feel disingenuous. Yeah, no, and, and yeah. that's it for me. It's like all, all the people that I feel would like disappoint me. Like I kind of have like pushed out. Um, like I, I yeah, a, a good example of someone who like. Like I, I'm definitely not calling out and I feel is like mm-hmm. a, like an actual like example of this is like Max Scoville who now it, that he's like Dude, same. getting married and like, he's one of the, like the faces at IGN. And I feel like he's kind of, I, I think he's like in the same boat that I was kind of like inferring to where he's like kind of just settling into like his, um, like he's finding things in his personal life that are very like satisfying and fulfilling where like, mm-hmm. like, with his like personal life and his relationship and that he's like just kind of focusing on that instead of like engaging in online in the discourse since it's pretty terrible all the time. And also like if he gets too engaged and like stir shit up that like being a invites a lot of harassment. And stuff. Yeah. It invites a lot of harassment. And then for being at such a like big outlet and being one of the main faces of it, like just brings in yeah. trouble more often than not. Um, Totally. And like, and he's one of those examples yeah. of like, I, I know that he knows better and like, he'll like kind of go off on like the comedy button and occasionally on Twitter, he'll still like 
have his like, you know, like voices opinions on things. But um, for the most part, he just kind of like keeps quiet because like he's not like he's he's not a journalist. Like you keep like he has to say that to people all the time. He's like, oh, like, I thought you were a journalist. Like, nope, I'm a video host. Thanks, though. Yep, exactly. Um, but yeah, and so yeah, like, I, it's not his job to necessarily like be a, a takesman. Um, yeah. Where like before I feel like he did a lot of that and like, yeah, I, I don't want to throw anyone, especially someone that I like and care about like under the bus, but not, not yeah. everyone's going to be Austin Walker or Patrick or like any of the Kotaku yeah, people. And I, th- and I think like something that I've been sort of dealing with and I, you know, you always intrinsically know this, but just so much of our specific community, like of gaming and, and stuff and entertainment really just lives on Twitter mm-hmm. and like the real world doesn't, exist on Twitter. Yeah. And like everything's so insular that it, it's just sort of hard to break out. And I feel like I'm I'm probably addicted to it. I feel like I'm just like constantly checking it to see like a funny take mm-hmm. or see what's happening. And then I just kind of end up getting kind of like disappointed by what's going on when I could be like actually working to anyway, yeah. I don't know. We're going on too long about this. I <laughs> totally brought this out of nowhere, but like I've yeah. just been feeling so Evan actually introduced this word to me and I've seen it a bunch since then. Uh, I've just been feeling like a big sense of ennui. Yeah. Just like aimless, listless, not really sure what to do, where to go, mm. how to act. It's just bad. I forgot about ennui. It's a good word, dude. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to do it. Yeah. What a positive note to end on. Yeah. Welcome. Um, <laughs> welcome to, to your sad boy podcast. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to fans of the genre send emails to info at infinite dogs.com we'd love to read your questions on air if you like what we're doing with the show please write us on apple podcasts it uh, it helps others discover the show and it takes just a few minutes um, follow us on twitter at fans of genre or on facebook at fb.me slash fans of the genre and uh, thank you to john bash for composing original music for us you can find more at john thanks john um, i'm on twitter at Rhodes clark i'm on twitter at mikey krieger um brian t swanson is brian brian follow him yeah i might try to log off a little bit this this week yeah i've been good about that um like at work especially like we're before like whenever i had downtime like all right what's what's the internet like today what's tweeting um where like i've kind of done more of like like what i assume most people kind of do like to get their news it's like oh like they get like they get home and they'll just like watch a couple of like like they'll yeah. watch the the new show or like the late night show. And like, for me, it's like I get into work, I do my like early stuff. And then I have like a little bit of downtime where I'll like, you know, kind of do uh desk work and I'll have on like last night, Seth Meyers bit or um, yeah. Yeah. like I'll run like Jesus and Marrow where I'm like, if Seth finally addressed Harvey Weinstein today. It took him long enough. I feel like, as an NBC employee, I was waiting for him to address it. Yeah. Um, sooner. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, practice self care. Log off of Twitter. Drink some water. Yeah. Um, water, read a fucking book. Good. It's not Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, don't. Re- not not. Don't read Harry Potter, but not do read not Harry Potter book. Exactly. Don't only read Harry Potter. Is what I was trying yeah. to say. I need. That's what I, I think. Um, that's what I need to. Do. I need to find a good book to read. I'm reading We Were Eight Years in Power by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Oh, I love Ta-Nehisi Coates. 
Yeah. Uh, Evan um, has uh, Christopher Hayes' book from earlier this year, uh, Connie and a Nation. Ooh, I've heard really good things about yeah. that, and I think you should read I it might, and let me I know. I might have to beat up my roommate and steal his book. <laughs> That's like... <laughs> Give me your book, no nerd. No fictional character ever. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Um, read a fucking book. 